Welcome to the Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. In this episode, we're going to discuss the Burr Method. We're going to teach you how to buy property during cold weather. In neighborhood chat, we'll hear a funny story from Glenn about an agent who was late for a showing and ended up seeing something bigger than her commission check. And later, we'll be chatting with Jack, one of our investors out of New York. It'll be a good conversation about his experiences and how he feels about the Memphis market. Sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and listen in. Hi, I'm Brett Bernard. And I'm Glenn Green. Coming up next Friday, Saturday, and then possibly Sunday, we're, we're going to have our very first EPM Real Estate Summit, which is we've invited uh, seven, maybe eight investors into Memphis are coming in Thursday night. Uh, Friday, we're going to be here at the office, and we're going to do a, a discussion about the Memphis market, look at maps, uh, discuss different scenarios, bring in hopefully uh, um, an investment lender to talk. We're going to have some people from Enterprise Property Management talking about management and just have a roundtable discussion about the Memphis market. Also to allow these investors to meet each other and be able to swap stories and, and ideas and, and get to know each other. Um, we're going to do that Friday and Saturday on the 19th of March and the 20th of March. Now, most of the, most of you are listening to this show that's already and now in the past, but the reason I brought it up is that we're going to probably try to do this periodically through the year. So if you're interested in possibly coming to Memphis and sitting in on one of these roundtable discussions and getting a tour of Memphis and uh, talk to some 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 real estate investment experts and agents, uh, look us up on www.epmrealestate.com. Um, you can go down to the bottom. You'll see Glenn and I's picture there. You Just click on it, contact us, send us an email, and let us know that you'd like to attend, and we'll notify you when that next one comes up. Yeah. The one that's coming up is more geared towards seasoned investors that are looking potentially at larger projects yes. by working together with other investors. But I think that we would do well to – uh, go ahead and schedule uh, an investor summit for those that are fairly new to it as well that want to learn more about Memphis and more about investing in real estate in Memphis. Uh, you know, if we're going to do this, if we're going to do this periodically, um, I, we should tell Aaron he needs to buy us a tour bus. Yes, <laughs> we're going to need it. <laughs> we're going to need it. So we still got to figure out how we're going to. But this is our very first summit, um, summit seminar, whatever you want to call it. But um, Guys that want to see Memphis have never been to Memphis. We want them to see the markets they're buying in. We want them to understand uh, who we are and get the. I mean, we've never met any of these guys except for one. Um, even though we talk to them daily and we have friendships with them, we know about their families, they know about our lives, yep. but we've never met face to face. So it's just going to be a good time. Uh, I think on Saturday night, we're going to do a crawfish and shrimp boil over at Glenn's house. I'm going to be cooking because I'm a coon ass um, from Louisiana and it'll be a good time. So in the future, if you wish to to come to Memphis and tour Memphis and hang out with us and, and uh, meet some other like-minded investors and trade ideas and stories uh, just hit us up uh, epmrealestate.com let us know you're interested and we'll put you on a list for the next one sounds good okay i want to talk about something that has becoming more and more prevalent in my calls from new investors and it's the burr method it's b-r-r-r -R -R, 
Burr. Yeah. Okay. That's how Are I guess cold? it's Burr. No. Well, it stands cold. for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. That's what it stands for. And so what they're saying and what the concept is, is that you go out and you you buy a home that may have a market value of $100,000 in good condition, but you can pick it up for uh, $70,000, for instance, because it needs work. So you buy it, put 10, 12, 13 grand into it, uh, rehab it, put it on the market and get a tenant in it paying rent with cash flow. Then you refinance that. So if you paid seventy thousand for the house, you put in ten grand, you're in it for eighty, you refinance it at whatever percentage you can get out of it. It appraises for a hundred, now hundred and five. You 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 pull out whatever money you can out of it and you need to reinvest that money into your next property and just keep repeating that process over and over. Which I like the concept. Um, and what I like about it is that it's a slow calculated process. It's not someone coming in buying 10, 12 houses at a time hoping to become Donald Trump and then realize they made a mistake and bought six six garbage cans. Well, and that's based, if you take it a step back and then take it forward, when he when you first bought the house at 70000 it was probably with 25% down. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you're out of pocket uh almost 20 grand so then when you turn around and do your rehab and then cash out refi you're pulling that money out so you turn around and do it again yeah the goal is to get get your you're playing with house money now you you you've got this one cash flowing so you you cash out take that twenty thousand and go buy another property correct um and i've got guys that are doing this but they're taking their cash out refi money and they're putting they're putting 50% down on the next project or the next house. So their next house, they may buy one that doesn't need a whole lot of work, um, but they're gonna they're gonna refinance it. They're gonna take out money from this property, take half of those funds, put into a different property, or maybe split it and put half and half and buy two properties, and then put a, an investment loan on it, do a little work to it, and get it appraised. But the Burr the Burr method works, but it. In my opinion, it works better if you allow them, once you do this, guys are trying to go in three, four months after they finish and try to refinance these properties. I think you should wait at least a year and let the market continue to go up, get a little let more it, value out it of appreciate. it, get a better appraisal. Yep. Uh, you've got now a, a, a long-term tenant that's been there for a year paying 1000 a month or whatever it is. As, as an appraisal, all of your factors are going to be way better off a year from now or two years from now than they were when you bought the house. So, you know, in a nutshell, the Burr method works. We, we have guys that use it. They use it successfully. We got guys that pay cash. We have guys that just get mortgages and buy properties. They don't really, not interested in refi. The only difference is what I need to, I want to caution people about in the Burr method is that right now, a lot of lenders are not doing cash out refis because after COVID, and, and the, the recent election, a lot of investors that buy those packaged loans stopped buying cash out refis because they were under the assumption that the market was going to crash. A lot, keep in mind, a lot of these folks, a lot of these companies are in California. So, of course, in their world, the world's coming to an end. The market's going to crash. The rest of the country is <laughs> not coming to happening. an end for a while out there. So, when you use the Burr method, and I caution all my investors with this, make sure you have got a lender lined up that can 
and, and says will. they will do a cash out refi because right now investors that are buy these package loans are not buying cash out refis That's because right. they're they're uncertain about the stability of the market. So just make sure you ask that question and understand that you can get this cash out refi before you put this plan into motion. Because if you put it into motion, you buy two or three houses under the concept, you're going to fix them up and refi, and then all of a sudden you can't find anybody to refi. You're done. You're stuck. Yep. That re- that cash out refi is a product that is available to you from some lenders. But those products sometimes get pulled off the market. Okay. And the reason for that is, if you go back to the Great Recession in 08, you had all these banks that held these loans and they were a similar situation. Uh, when the market tanked and that $200,000 house suddenly became worth 120. The bank is now upside down. They can't sell that asset to get back the principal that's owed. Mm-hmm. The, don't even worry about talking about interest, but if you can just get the, back the principal. So because of the concerns about what's going to happen with the new federal administration, the concern is that if the market does take a bit of a fall, then these lenders that have done these cash-out refis are going to be short. Uh, and if there's any pressure on those uh, folks that are paying the mortgage, it could end up as a distressed sale. And we don't want to recreate what happened in the Great Recession. So if you talk to a lender, you got to talk. You got to stay in touch with them at least monthly, if yeah. not every couple of weeks, and make sure that they still offer the same products like the cash out refi that you were intending to use. Correct. And the Burr method is a great a great way to build. A, a very nice, large portfolio over yeah. time. Um, but you've got to make sure all the tools are there and make sure you make the right decisions and that you're not getting yourself. I mean, guys right now that are doing the burn method are probably going to struggle to find those cash-out refis. I think toward the end of the summer, as you know, as, as all the rest of the sky will go ahead and just fall and everybody will settle down and realize that the world's not going to come to an end. Um, I, I believe that, that the, uh, the cash out refis will get back popular again and, and investors will start buying. But until then, be cautious. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. Uh, 2021 is going to be an unusual year because uh, so many changes are going to take place or we're going to see the changes that are coming down the pipe mm-hmm. in 2022. Yeah. Um, and what I've always said about real estate investing is there's always somebody buying and always somebody selling. So it doesn't really happen. What It doesn't matter what happens to the market. It's how you react to it. If you're holding property, I wouldn't necessarily fire sale it. No. Because the world's not coming to an end. If it goes down, it's going to go back up. Yeah. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be the next year. But in the next year or two, Whatever it was previously at, it's going to get back to and eventually exceed. That's just yeah. real estate. So. And there's going to be investors out there that are waiting for those people who aren't going to heed that advice. And as soon as the market turns, they're going to try to get out from and under it. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be investors that come in and buy those properties. I, you, you know, know if you look at the history of real estate, I, I for the, the life of me, I cannot figure out why an investor who owns – 20 properties that's cash they're cash flowing the market shifts 10 percent. that's a national shift across the country in housing market and values and all of a sudden they're liquidating left and right trying to get off money as if it's going to continue to drop like the stock market to us worth zero and never come back so 
I'm, I'm of the school that real estate investment is a long-term hold game. Yep. Uh, if you're in it to turn and burn, yeah, you run a lot of risk of, of getting hurt. But if you're in it for the long game, just sit on your property, collect the cash flow, let it grow, let it let it drop, let it go up, let it drop, let it go up. But over the long term, you will be way better off 10, 20 years from now in value on that property. And now, Neighborhood Chat. I do have a story. Uh, this is actually true because I know the agent who is involved. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to say the name, uh, but we were talking about embarrassing moments in our in our lives as agents, and she was telling me how uh, she had a client. It was a couple, and she was taking them out and showing them homes, owner occupants. So they've been going all over the suburbs, looking at houses, had a whole bunch of them lined up in one day. And one of the toughest things for an agent to do is you've got eight or nine different properties that somebody wants to see in a day, but you have to schedule those showings in advance. So you got to fit into a particular window to get them all done on time and still stay within the, the schedule that you created. Well... It was the last house of the day, and my friend, the agent, was showing this couple around, and she realized that they were off schedule, and they were just about 10 minutes late for this showing. And she thought, now what you're supposed to do is you call the showing schedule people, and you tell them, listen, I need to reschedule. We just got here. Is it okay to go in? Mm-hmm. And then they'll do what they need to do, call the owner, call the agent. She didn't do that. So here <laughs> I'm she I'm going to assume that was a really bad she, move. <laughs> she, she was 10 minutes beyond her scheduled showing time, and she thought, you know, we'll just go ahead and go in. So she opened the door. She went in, and she called out, is there anybody home? No answer. She went in a little further. Is anybody home? No answer. She's like, okay, it's okay. Come on in. And they go wandering around the house, and they get to the master bathroom right as the owner of the property is coming out of the shower. <laughs> With no towel, mind you. <laughs> Male or female? Male. Uh, he was probably proud. He's like, yeah, can I help you, ma'am? <laughs> this is how proud he was. He said, what are you doing in my bathroom? And, she, of course, she was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. We were just a little late for the showing. We'll leave. And he said, let me show you out. And he walked them through the house without a towel, mind you, to the front door and escorted them out of the property. Uh, and. She was highly wow. embarrassed, and wow. he filed a complaint against her. So. I, well, I get it. I yeah. get it. You know, that anytime you're you're going to see a house that's occupied, number one, if I'm not there on time, I'm not walking in the, the door. Number, yeah. I mean, several things can happen. You can you can get accosted by the guy who's butt naked coming out of the shower and walks you to the door butt naked and asks you to leave or you get shot i mean or you can get attacked i mean i we've had it we've had instances where we've had uh people either approaching us or people inside of a home that we were going into we're unaware of and you just got to be cautious but i 
I, I would be surprised if she just hang up her license and say, I'm just going to do something else. <laughs> For me, <laughs> as a guy, I wouldn't be that embarrassed. I'd laugh. I, I, I would hope the guy would laugh with me. But I could see as a female, all of a sudden you got female, this it would be nude guy worse. standing in front of you in the bathroom going, what are you doing at my house? And you've got prospective clients behind you and you're their agent, you're their guide, you're their expert, and now you're you're confronted with a naked guy. Yes, yeah. that's, that's hilarious. Who shows you the front door completely naked? He probably walked away going, yeah, she thought I was hot. <laughs> okay, so coming up, we got Jack, who is one of our investors out of New York. Yeah, yes. Can we talk about what a Jack does, or does he keep that a secret, his well, real life? let's just say that Jack has been very successful investing in Memphis real estate. He loves Memphis. He yeah. truly does. Not just as in a place to invest. He really enjoys being here, and he comes about once a year or so. He works in the radio industry, in comedy. Entertainment. He thinks he's funny. He thinks he's funny? Yeah. <laughs> he's genuinely one of the nicest people I've ever met. And to be in the business that he's in, he doesn't – He's, 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 he's just comes he's a humble, a nice guy. yeah, very the, humble guy. For the people he hangs with and the the people he knows, where he lives, his business, he's an extremely humble individual. Oh, stop! <laughs> Jack is on the phone with us. Jack has been investing in Memphis for the last few years, um, almost almost five years now. And uh, Jack and I became friends during that process. We've talked a lot about how you build a relationship with your investors. And I certainly have developed one with Jack. Um, Jack is in the radio business Mm -hmm. and entertainment. And so he's used to being on radio, and he has a more exciting life than I do by far. Not true at all. I know you're like I've heard your stories, Glenn. <laughs> okay, Jack, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came upon Memphis as a place to invest in real estate, uh, the, the what you like, what you don't like, and the do's and don'ts of buying properties in Memphis. And tell us, in fact, I've think I've lost count. You can start by telling us how many properties that you have purchased over the years in Memphis. Wow. At this point, I've kind of lost count too. I think we're at 31 now. Um, and you've made it, you've made it really, really easy. I mean, I, I don't mean to, to start this off, uh, uh, waxing your car too heavily here, but I mean, it's been just a joy, uh, to, to purchase with you because, um, I trust your judgment so implicitly. You, you make such great calls. You make it so easy. You know, um, we had never been to Memphis before starting to buy property there. And the way we came upon Memphis was we just did a sort of a brute force search across the country using data and analytics about, you know, which cities had the lowest price to rent ratios. Um, and then we combined that with, uh, looking at data on population inflows and outflows, major, uh, major corporations that had headquarters there. I think Memphis has three Fortune 500 companies based there, uh, FedEx, International Paper, and AutoZone. Uh, has a great medical teaching infrastructure. And, uh, yeah, it just seemed like a, like a great place. And I had heard anecdotally also that, People were getting priced out of Nashville, and so they were moving to to Memphis, kind of in droves. And everybody 
loved it, loved the weather, loved the people, history, food, everything. So it seemed like a, uh, like an ideal place to invest. And then we came and met you and Aaron and got along so famously and you were so knowledgeable and showed us the places to, to, to buy. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just great. And, you know, we made our share of mistakes at first. Um, we, we, you know, bought in high tax areas, places that we would like to live in. Um, and then realize that, yeah, our, our taste is kind of immaterial and we, we should, we should buy in places where people want to, to rent and where taxes are lower. And so, you know, I think we've made a number of mistakes and had a number of really tremendously bad ideas that, uh, I think Glenn tried to talk us out of often, uh, to, to varying degrees of success. But, uh, I, I look, I think it's been a, a, a great experience that's worked out well, both from a, a personal perspective and an investment standpoint. I think that, you know, uh, talking about that relationship, that trust relationship, uh, there's been a couple of times when Jack has said, I love this place. Let's buy it. And my response was, hold on a minute, Jack. Let's just just cool our heels for a minute here. But then there's also times when I've picked up the phone and called Jack and said, Jack, I found this house. It's in this area. Great price. Here's what it's going to rent for. You need this house. And he said, write it up. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the kind of relationship that we've built over the years together. And I haven't let him, hopefully I haven't let him down yet. No, he's still still showing up in Memphis. So I, I guess that's a good sign. Now, Jack... Jack, how did you go about educating yourself? Did you just get on the internet? Did you go to a seminar? Did you take a class? What did you do? No, well, you know, it's 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 interesting because over the years, uh, you know, I, I I consider myself pretty savvy in the stock market and uh, had invested most of my you know money in the stock market over the years. But whenever my wife and I would buy uh, apartments or houses and we would fix them up. And then sell them to buy another bigger wreck of a place that we would fix up. And as we were looking through our, our finances, we realized that we made more money in real estate than we did uh, in the stock market. So that that was sort of the aha moment um, when we decided to, to put a, a bigger chunk of our, our money into, into real estate. And uh, we, we read books on real estate investing, but largely we just kind of did it by jumping in. Uh, with both feet. And then uh, as, as in terms of research to find Memphis, we used a bunch of resources. We did, um, you know, I used Wikipedia to find on population flows. I did research um, on just different, on the internet, on different cities and the different price to rent ratios in the different cities and just compiled a bunch of data. And we also um, took out of consideration cities that had only one industry like fracking towns or places with extreme weather because we didn't want to have to replace the roofs of these places every four years. Um, and there are so many variables to consider and the, the, the sort of data analytics was so exhaustive. We, we were pretty confident not even setting foot in, in Memphis that, that this was kind of the right place unless we were missing something really, really crucial in which case, you know, we deserve to, to lose our shirts. But, um, yeah, that, that was kind of how we ended up here. And 
you know, again, not to not, not, not to give too, Glenn too many accolades, but he deserves every one of them. Um, at some point, we realized that a large portion of our net worth is in Memphis. And maybe we should look at diversifying because Memphis can't be the only good market out there for, for real estate investing. And it's absolutely not. But we found... Uh, a couple of cities where we were looking to buy and, and called up the, the real estate agents and the property managers and did research on them. And no one was nearly as good. And we didn't get the vibe that we could necessarily trust them to the extent that we trusted Glenn and Aaron and the team. And after, after months of phone calls and research, we just, we abandoned that idea. I was like, why we have such a good thing going here? Why, why abandon it? Well, Jack, that brings me, you know, we talked earlier on the show about uh, getting educated. So you're a new investor. You just come out of a seminar and you're trying to educate yourself on the on the investment market. And one of the things that we talked about, which I completely agree with, is that the best way to educate yourself is find a knowledgeable, hardworking agent that understands the market and protects your interests and is willing to spend time to guide you and educate you. Um and I harp on that every show. Find yourself a good agent. That should be priority one. If you and I, I give out a list of questions to ask to whether or not this this agent can can fulfill your needs or not. So if you would take a quick second and explain to the people that are listening, how important is it to you to find a solid agent that protects your interests and understands the the investment game? It's a hundred percent critical because. Uh, Someone who really, who lives in the market, who's been in it, done it a while, knows where the up and coming parts of town are, especially from a real estate standpoint, and especially as someone who doesn't live in town. And I don't live in town. I get to Memphis as often as I can, but that only amounts to probably an average once a year, uh, is just so critical because when you get to that point, when you have a, a, a real estate agent who understands your investment objectives, your tastes, your appetite for risk, your, your business and investment model, then they can go out and keep an eye out for properties. And they can tell you like, ah, I got a bad feeling about this. And it's almost more important that they look out for your interests in the negative. And what I mean by that is by, you know, I, Glenn, uh, is too polite to say it, but I have terrible ideas a lot of the time. And Glenn, uh, very quickly shoots me, shoots those ideas down or I see a house that looks great. And then Glenn goes in and tries to find what's wrong with it and why I shouldn't do it. Uh, and that has, that has been incredibly critical in making, you know, just our, our whole investment strategy and, and, and the fact that we've done so well in, in the town. Honesty is probably got to be the best trait for for an investment agent to have, especially as an investor looking for an agent. You want to feel that if the agent tells you to walk away, there's a good reason behind it, or tells you to buy the house. You want to be able to trust that when they tell you to buy a house, buy it. Um, so yeah, I agree. Honesty has got to be number one. I you know I just I harp on people. I get caught. I've got two investors I'm working with now. Neither one of them have bought a single property from me. They own two or three apiece here in Memphis, and they got burned so badly by previous agents. On a, you know, they did one deal, agent got their check and disappeared. And now I'm trying to untangle all these for them in hopes that we can right the ship and then get them back into buying. And I see this over and over and over where guys just pick up the phone, they call a major national real estate name, and get the first agent on the phone and say, "I want to buy investment properties." 
and then they can't understand why it goes south on them or why it didn't work out the way they anticipated. So I, I appreciate you being honest about, you know, finding a good agent is key number one. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it, it, we really did luck out. Um, uh, EPM and Glenn were the first people that we, we called, but we flew out. And the, when I went there, the, you know, Glenn invited me to, to his house and we had um, vegan pizza, if you can believe it. And like just the fact they didn't kick me out of can, Memphis just for that is, uh, is a testament uh, to how great it is. And he just he showed me a map and just gave me the, the full rundown of, of the city and yeah, the, the different the different neighborhoods, the different types of buildings, the different tax structures, uh, and it was it was fantastic. And I, I felt like I got a crash course in just in that just in that evening. So you know, you you can really get a sense of of who's going to be right for your team, who's honest, smart, knows the business, and is going to do right by you. I feel like, um, and that yeah, that was that was critical to the success. Well, I want to ask you a question. I know you're not going to be able to zero down on this to to uh to a fine number but whatever the properties you have cash flow wise what do you off the top of your head what do you feel you're able to produce on an annualized rate of return with your current portfolio in memphis do you have an idea uh yes and obviously it's it's more complicated because there's there's maintenance issues there's tenancy you know issue but the we we looked to buy places or did prior to the run up in, in prices with about a 1% cap rate or sorry. Yeah. You know, so a 1% monthly uh, cap rate. So 12% annual cap rate. And uh, meaning we wanted to make 1% of the purchase price in gross rent every month, which is a solid rule to follow. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, in terms of cash flow, we're a little bit different from, I think a lot of real estate investors and in that we're not looking to make a, a monthly return uh, on our properties that we would use to fund other things. We just want to make sure that we can cover uh, the mortgage and interest, taxes, insurance, management fees, and anything that we have left over, as well as you know, as maintenance issues. Anything we have left over, we just go down to pay down um, the, the principal on the loans. So your investments are, you're looking at them as long-term investment prospects. In other words, you're going to hold them for a while until uh, they're either close to being paid off or paid off. And now you've got a large number of assets that are that can be liquidated and either reinvested or used for retirement or whatever you want to use it for. Or live off of the rental cash flow. Yeah. You know? And uh, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And right now, you know, we're in a we're kind of in a, a privileged place that we don't need that that revenue. And at some point we'll probably do either a cash out refi or a or use the, you know use the the properties that are paid off as collateral against new loans to buy new property but for right now we're very very comfortable with a sort of a lower ratio of leverage and just knowing that you know we can comfortably pay off the notes and have probably a little left over to to help pay down the rest and just you know see how that goes for a few years as we watch the market jack i know that you tend to uh, talk to your lenders fairly regularly and uh, i'm wondering if you've heard any of them being a little skittish on these cash out refis um, given the new administration in washington etc are the lenders getting a little bit uh what's the word i want nervous yeah uh you know and 
I don't know that it's necessarily about the cash out refi. I think lenders are, are skittish now because of the pandemic and people's ability to, um, you know, to, to pay, to pay their, their rent. Um, and most of the, so th- this is an interesting thing that your listeners might find interesting that, um, and we didn't know that if you can buy up to 10 properties through conventional lending, uh, because Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will only insure up to 10 mortgages by uh, a person or an entity or whatever. So after 10, you have to go out and get um, portfolio lenders or hardline lenders or, or some other entity that's willing to lend. And again, this is the, why you have the, the great relationships. You know, Glenn and Aaron were able to, to introduce me to, to lenders who, uh, who were able to do that. And those are very, very difficult to find. Um, so the, the portfolio lenders that we've been talking to are very skittish now because of the, of that, the pandemic. And they have the, you know, the 2008 crisis firmly in mind. And so are being much more, um, much more tight on their capital and lending practices. So right now, um, I don't know that it's, it's, it's politics so much as pandemic and we're kind of waiting to see how it goes. You know, with our with our renters as well, we've been also very lucky um, that we've had the you know renters uh, a very very low default rate among our our renters. So, um, you know, that's that's something we're going to watch and look to start purchasing again once the once the, the the vaccine is widely circulated and we're through the pandemic a little bit. Okay, so you have been impacted on the rent income side due to COVID. Not much, not much. Uh, we've been, we've been very, very lucky. Um, but again, everyone's is watching sort of nervously. Um, and I know people who have been tremendously affected by it. Yeah. I've had a couple of clients that property owners that, uh, had to get a forbearance on their mortgage because their renters weren't paying. Have you seen that a lot? Have, have, have lenders been okay with Doing forbearances? Uh, yeah, so far so good. They've been uh, very helpful. Uh, forbearance is really very different from any other type of rescue product um, because a forbearance doesn't do anything except they say you don't have to pay your note this month or next month or the next month until you get back to a better place. You still owe the money. And they're going to get it back. I had a client that came to me and said, I want you to sell my property. I said, okay, here's how much we can get for her. I got her a, uh, an offer on the same day. Um, and she asked me, what do I do about this forbearance? I said, you don't have to do anything. You're going to ask for a payoff or your closing agent's going to ask for a payoff. And it's going to include those past due payments that they, that they were willing to forbear. And any interest associated with those, you know, so you're going to pay it. You're just going to pay it at closing. You know? Right. But they didn't have to pay the interest during that period either. But it's all going to catch up to you eventually. Right. I think that the stimulus is working. I think it's a very expensive way to go about helping the economy. But, you know, I know plenty of people in the uh, restaurant business who have enjoyed getting those stimulus checks and unemployment during this time because they can't work, not because they don't want to, because they've been told not to. 
So I think the stimulus has has been working. We'll see what stimulus number three looks like. Yeah, hopefully it gets us to uh, to the vaccine. Well, I noticed that uh, I saw an article this morning that the the overall COVID deaths and cases have dropped by a little over eighty percent in the last sixty days. And I I don't know if they're attributing it to the, all the vaccinations or if they're attributing it to I, I don't know what's causing the decrease, but. It's it's a, a significant drop. Now I have the feeling it has something to do with the vaccination, and quite frankly, majority of people in America have already had it. It's worked its course and went through the system, and and those of us who had it survived it. I had it. Um, for me, it was no big deal. Glenn had it. For him, it, it was it was a big deal. It was a big deal. <laughs> so, but you know, everybody survived it. So hopefully, I I hope to see a turn this summer to where uh, our lives begin to stabilize. I never thought in 2019 how difficult 2020 would have been not just from the business standpoint but economic standpoint but just the pure basic changes to our lives all of a sudden we went from not caring about a lot of stuff to where all of a sudden not being able to go to your favorite bar and have a beer with your buddies is a big deal yeah right you missed it it, it, it changed yeah. the way you operated your life so it was it was a, a really unusual year so hopefully I, I look forward to this year being just phenomenal once we get into summertime and everybody's vaccinated and we're moving on i know there have been tons there's been thousands and thousands of vaccinations here in memphis jack have you had the vaccination i haven't everyone talks about medical tourism in florida i'm in, in florida for for a minute are you wearing your mask right now <laughs> no no uh my my family knows how filthy i am yeah it's it's they're very very strict about who can get it and who can get in line i'm thinking about camping out at a cvs to try to get one uh, like a like an extra shot, but uh, yeah, the the website here only allows for people over sixty five and law enforcement and firefighters and and people like that to get the vaccine. So I'm I'm desperate for it. I see wow. people on my Facebook feed uh, getting it, and I have I have real FOMO. I never have it except for this. Are you guys vaccinated? Well, I I can tell you that um, I'm not because I I got so sick. That my doctor told me, I don't want you taking that vaccination until you're completely healed. I'm not completely healed yet, so it's going to be another few months. Jack, I did have COVID, uh, but for me, it was it, it was basically a, a little bit of a headache, a fever, and I felt like I had a sinus infection, like a mild sinus infection. And after seven or eight days, it just went away, and that was it. I haven't had a problem since. So anyway, we don't want to get off on COVID. I'm done with COVID. I'm tired of COVID. What is your overall plan for the future, Jack, with investing? I know you've got 30, 31 properties, or you think you do. Um, you think that they're performing so performing well. <laughs> but, you know, with your, if you had a good agent, that agent would be able to look that up for you and tell you. But, you know. Oh, he's taking <laughs> shots at me now. <laughs> well, what do you think? What's your, what's your future look like for investing in Memphis? Are you going to continue to buy? Are you, you looking to slow down? Or, I mean, how is, you, if, if you had to put it in one sentence about your experience in Memphis and investing, what, how is it? Positive, negative, so so? So it's, it's kind of two questions, and I, I'm, I'm sorry not to keep this to one sentence, but um, the, the, the experience has been 100% positive, but that is kind of why the future is a little bit foggy because the run-up has been so significant that um, we're kind of being, and the competition, you know, people have found out what a great city is it is to invest in. So we've kind of been priced out of our model a little bit and we don't want to force, um, force it when it doesn't, when it doesn't adhere to the model. I mean, um, sure. we had been buying 
you know, say $110,000 houses that are now going for 160, 170,000. So, and, and that's been in say three years. So the return has been fantastic. It's just, there are just way fewer opportunities at the price points that we like or are used to um, than there used to be. So we, we are definitely going to keep going in Memphis. Um, it's just a question of uh, making sure that we have the lenders on board and that we find the right deals and, and values. Well, I think that it's probably chi- time to change the strategy a little bit for you, Jack. We need to, in, in my opinion, Raleigh is the best place to be looking. The inventory is low there, but if you can find it, then it's kind of like Cordova was five years ago. You can still get uh, a good property at a reasonable price with a solid tenant. And that's and what it's all a very about. good possibility because of Amazon and, and Nike and what's happening in Raleigh, uh, a, a very nice appreciation of value over the next three to five years as well. Yes. Yeah, and I, I I went back and looked because two years ago in Raleigh, where you could where you would pay sixty five thousand for today, the same type of homes are on the market for eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven thousand. So Raleigh's already seen a significant jump, and I I expect it's probably going to continue to go up for at least the next in the short term two or three years. Yep. Well, let me ask you this because this is a really interesting question because you know we we started out in Midtown, then went to Cordova and Arlington, Lakeland, that area, and now. Now, uh, then Crosstown became uh, the hot place, and now you're, you're looking at Raleigh. How how does the the city look in the next five years? What what comes after Raleigh? Uh, I would say continued improvements in the Burclair area, which is north of Summer Avenue, between uh, Covington Pike mm-hmm. and National. Not to mention uh, Sherwood Force, 38111. Over Down near the University of Memphis. Outside of the rich part of East Memphis, in the average part of East Memphis, there's a 38111 area code, Sherwood Force, they call it, on both sides of Getwell. And we're seeing a huge upsurge there mm-hmm. in property values, as well as purchases for rentals. It's it's Jack, it's kind of like these neighborhoods – like uh, take Colonial Acres for example I used to not look on the west side of Perkins Road but in the last two or three years it's improved all the way to Cherry Road which is another what mile to the west and so what's happening in those is those areas that you wouldn't have been interested in a few years ago are now uh, improving simply because the neighborhoods are getting close to being completely rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's going to push, knowing that we have a, a market of half the houses in this city being rentals, it's going to push investors to improve properties in areas that they traditionally would not have gone. And that's going to be Sherwood Forest, yep. Berkeley, uh, Whitehaven, Raleigh. And those those areas are going to be hot. You know, Jack, to answer your question, I think it's more like 
being a being a, a stock guru. All right, those guys are always looking for that that signal that says, "Hey, buy this now, buy this now." And that's what Glenn does. Glenn's very good at it. I'm trying to learn how to do that better. Um, I'm learning from him, but predicting an area that in the next. 24 months is going to start seeing uh, I, I can't use the term anymore well, but what do we call it rehabilitation uh, yeah rehabilitation okay. we're, redevelopment we're, we've been told there's certain words we can't use in real estate anymore because, because they they're could, politically because, incorrect yeah. but so looking at an area that we feel is going to be a, re- a rehabilitation uh, over the next three to five years and trying to identify it ahead of time and get our investors into it early is what we're that's what we're focused on um, Raleigh is a place now. Everybody that comes to me, we're putting in Raleigh, but we've already bought up most of the inventory in Raleigh, so it's getting slim. So we're trying to find that next. And Sherwood Forest, Berkeley are, are areas that are well on their way to, to, to starting that uptick. And, you know, area like Sears Crosstown is, you still got a lot of boarded up properties, Jack. Problem is, when they come on the market, the sellers are already seeing you know, uh, the opportunity to really make some money. And so five years ago, anybody that went in that same neighborhood could pick up a house for thirty grand. That house is now sixty grand, and that's before rehabilitation. Now there's stuff that's selling in that same neighborhood for a hundred and fifty. 160,000 after rehab and we're talking about small bungalows that are maybe 1200 square feet so we just have to keep on looking until we find those it's just a little bit harder you just got to keep your you know you got to keep your pencil sharp yeah you do absolutely well hey not on the investing side tell me about sherwood forest there's why the why the robin hood theme in that area the robin hood theme did yeah. you ever not see the movie Men in Tights? <laughs> I think Kevin Costner owns a property over there. <laughs> Sherwood Forest. <laughs> Sherwood Forest. I don't know why. it's Because there's like a Friar Tuck Lane and like a Robin Hood Alley. and That goes Sherwood back, Forest. That Sherwood goes back Forest. to the 50s and 60s. And the people that named all those streets are dead now, Jack. <laughs> Yeah, I always ask, I always wondered that myself because I'm not originally from Memphis. I've been here since '06, um, but I've driven through there many times, and I saw. And I was a huge uh, Robin Hood fan. I, like when I was a kid, I loved the movies, so I noticed all the streets were named. And yeah, originally you're kind of like, well, that's stupid. Why would somebody do that? But if you, if the area is called Sherwood Forest, it only makes sense. <laughs> so when when you're evaluating properties for your clients and and new regions, how much do you go on? gut and speaking you know and just you know conversations with other brokers and and buyers versus versus data and analytics for me personally with my guys um it's about 30 percent gut instinct and then you put about 40 percent of of pre-evaluation looking at all the different data online and then the rest of it would be doing a full cma and really drilling down on uh the actual true market value of the house and then from there, work backwards and do a, uh, an RI calculation to kind of figure out if it works. And if it works, you send it on to the investor and, and make a recommendation. Nice. 
That's all he said. Yeah. After that great, that great scenario, he just says, nice. That's because he's my investor. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, Jack. No, there's nothing more to be said. It makes it makes perfect sense. You're sitting down in Florida enjoying the sunshine and, and complaining about your bungalow. But, you know, meanwhile, we're in Memphis sitting in a tiny studio. With foam on the walls. With foam on the walls, yeah. Sound attenuation. That's that's pro-level stuff. Jack, I want to thank you for the time that you've taken out of your busy schedule to interview and appreciate all of the knowledge that you've built over the last few years investing with us in Memphis. Well, the knowledge I have comes strictly from you, so uh, I appreciate everything. Uh, it's been it's been great to, to come on and talk. Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, thanks for such a great partnership over these years. Thank you, Jack. We look forward to hearing from you again on another podcast. Enjoy your stay in Florida, Jack. And, <laughs> and you know so what? Much. Deal deal with the Airbnb. You're still in Florida. <laughs> yep. We'll do. We'll do. We'll send some sunshine your way. Sounds good. See you, buddy. Have a good one, Jack. See you guys. All right. So going back to what Jack said before we close out, I reiterate again, you know, seminars, books, all, there's all kinds of wealth of knowledge out there. But I still believe the best knowledge you could ever get is a is connecting with the right investment real estate agent that understands the market and can educate you on specifics of that market. Um, not just a general real estate investment rule. You can learn that at a seminar or a book. But actually being successful in Memphis takes a specific style of investing, a specific way of looking at properties. So, and very specific knowledge yes. to be able to invest in this city. Get you a good agent. And if you're interested in coming to one of our summits and hanging out with us, go to epmrealestate.com. Hit us up uh, that way. Uh, if you got questions, by all means, get to the website. Uh, Glenn and I's personal cell numbers are inside our private bios. You can get, pick up the phone in Texas or call us if you got questions about Memphis or you're, you're thinking about investing in Memphis. Whatever your needs are, feel free to call us anytime. Thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. Be sure to subscribe at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Enterprise Property Management's real estate services, please visit us on the web at EPMRealEstate.com. This has been a Sound Ideas Group production for Enterprise Property Management, Inc.